this is Kara Foster, Senior Minister of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky. You're listening to our sermon podcast. You can connect with us at firstchristianmadisonville.org or join us in person at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at 10.30 College Drive in beautiful Madisonville, Kentucky. I hope you'll subscribe. Thanks. Well, good morning for the second time. I needed to say that to waken you up. And I know why so many of you are lethargic. You went to the fair this week. And while the children were having fun riding on the rides, you got to sit back and eat a meat stick that is as large as their torso. And eat a corn dog that is as long as their entire body. And it is just baptized in olive oil, and pig sweat. <laughs> uh, so, if you nod off, I know why you're doing that today. Uh, but it's an honor to be here. Uh, many of the pastors are gone to the General Assembly. And Kara said, you can speak on your favorite Jesus story. And I picked this one. It's my absolute favorite. Now, it's quite awkward. You know, my first time speaking here, and I'll say, oh, I want to speak of Jesus in pain. This should be a lot of fun. But no, I am a hospice chaplain, and I live in this world often. And I'll talk a little bit more about that as we go forward. So speaking of pain, I wanted to tell you what I've been suffering with the past few weeks. Rashes from poison sumac. I know you wanted to know this about me. So uh, our family and several teens and just an army of people went to help out this lady. Uh, in town, and she's bedbound, so she can't take care of her land and her yard. So we went there with the lawnmowers, the bush hogs, the weed eaters, the, the whole thing. Uh, and normally I wear long sleeves because I know I'm allergic to poison ivy. Uh, but, but then I was in a hurry right after work, and I'm like changing my shirt while I'm driving. Don't tell hospice. And so I'm driving to this lady's house, and, uh, you know, we're working, and I don't notice any poison ivy. But I ignored this very important plant called poison sumac. And apparently, it is equally as awful, if not worse, than poison ivy. And so I even wrote a poem to remember what to do when I encounter poison sumac in the future. I wanted to share it with you. I'm a very artistic person. If you're working outside, do not fail. To notice the 7 to 13 leaf plant, it is from hell. And I mean it. It is the devil's plant. Don't touch it. Uh, So there was this one night, I'm sure my wife will be glad I'm telling this story, uh, that we were in bed. We both just got, I mean, just absolutely slapped with this sumac. We're covered in rashes head to toe, you know. We're like uh, just as oily as bacon in a grease pan. And these rashes and lotions and potions and all this stuff we put on our body. And we're both in bed and we're just sitting there scratching and scratching and scratching. And while we're sitting there scratching for just a moment, we lock eyes. And we look over at each other. And then we just start to laugh like there's nothing else to do. Because in that moment, we absolutely felt each other's pain. Right? It's what we have in common. There's a psychiatrist named Phil Stutz. He has this documentary on Netflix. Highly recommended. And he said there's three 
unavoidable things about life. Pain, the constant need for work, and uncertainty. We try to avoid them, you know, to no end. Uh, but there's no, there's no ducking out on pain. Working as a hospice chaplain, I'm often asked, why am I feeling this physical pain? But as a chaplain, I also encounter another question that's similar but just a little bit different. Does God feel my pain? It's a fair question. How could a good God allow a 40-year-old mother to die of brain cancer? Why does a wife have to painstakingly watch her husband with Alzheimer's wither away over a decade? And the children? Don't get me started on the children. Where was God when I was holding this two-year-old dying of a rare mitochondrial disease? Where is God in that pain? We know each other. Feel each other's pain, but does God? And I hope that we have sort of a backdrop to that question today. Uh, I've learned over the past few years there's no good answer to that question. It's just trite and cliche to tell my patients who ask me that, oh yeah, I have an answer. Um, and while there's no good answer, there is some hope and there is scripture that speaks to this question. Scripture today is from Luke 8, 42b through 48. Uh, I think your bulletins it says to 86 for some reason. I'm not reading that much, but uh, just reading a few to verse 48. As Jesus moved forward, he faced smothering crowds. A woman was there who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had spent her entire livelihood on doctors, but she came up behind him and touched the hem of his clothes, and at once her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus said. When everyone denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds are surrounding you and pressing in on you. Let's move this thing along. But Jesus said, Now someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she couldn't escape, no. She came trembling and fell before Jesus. In front of everyone, she explained why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. Daughter, your faith has healed you, Jesus said. Go in peace. Ancient Near East had some strange rules. Some of them, uh, we, we understand the reasoning behind to be safe, to be healthy. Uh, sometimes they wanted them to sort of separate them from the other cultures around them. And then some are just weird. We don't know why they had these laws and regulations they had. But in Leviticus 15, they had this thing. And this thing was, if you're female and you have an issue of blood, you're unclean. People shouldn't be around you. You shouldn't be around community. And usually, as you know, this usually only lasts a few days. But for this woman, 
12 years. Can you imagine 12 years of being seen as unclean? That woman. And not just the physical pain, but the emotional and the existential pain. Why? Uh, and even, do, does anyone feel my pain, much less God? You know, Mother Teresa, who experienced a tremendous amount of pain and suffering and poverty, said this once. The greatest poverty is not tuberculosis or leprosy, but loneliness and the feeling of being unloved and uncared for. Loneliness. I cannot even fathom the loneliness of 12 years. 12 years of spending all of your money on doctors and it not helping a bit. 12 years of not being around the community. 12 years of being isolated. 12 years of asking some of the deepest questions that no one can answer. So she's desperate. The doctors have promised her things that they could not follow through with. And she thought, you know, I'm about to give up on God, is what I imagine. And she's like, but I've heard that there's a little bit of hope in this rabbi named Jesus. And that he's actually healing people. So in a moment of desperation, and I imagine her to be covered up. Imagine her to just want to be concealed through this process. And I see her sneaking in the smothering crowd and sort of pushing her way through. And then just reaching out, thinking if I could just touch them on this garment, she touches just the very tassel at the bottom. Maybe she's healed. She feels it. She knows. And in my mind, I, I think maybe she's just trying to slither away. But Jesus doesn't let her. We're going to talk about why, because it just seems exposing in this moment. And he says these words, and I can almost hear the lump in her throat as Jesus says, Who touched me? Who touched me? I had this super awkward moment in the bathrooms, and I know you want to know all these things about me. And uh, I was visiting my grandma. She was in the hospital in Batesville, Arkansas. And I was in the waiting room, and this just a few weeks ago, and I had this poison sumac rash, and I'm just, you know, I'm dying to itch myself. And it's right in the abdomen, so that I didn't look crazy in the waiting room. I run to the bathroom. It's a one-staller, lock the door, you're by yourself. And in there, I'm just, I'm mean, going crazy on my stomach. And I had this itch spray. And so I'm, you know, spraying it on myself. And, you know, and then I wash my hands. And then I go up to the dryer because nobody's there. And I just lift my shirt up to my chin. And I put myself right next to the blow dryer. And that warm air felt so good. It's just evaporating this liquid. And about that time, an older gentleman walks through the door because apparently I didn't lock it. And he sees me like this and I look over and I'm shocked and he looks over at me and then we did what any two guys would do in the bathroom. We looked down and act like it didn't happen and I just walked out the door. It was super awkward. I wanted to go unnoticed in the bathroom. I had full expectation that that would be the case but man, ah, couldn't go unnoticed. Couldn't go unnoticed. That's funny. 
For this woman's not funny. She must have been horrified when she knew she couldn't go unnoticed. Jesus said, who touched me? But what I want us to notice is that God is like a magnet to our pain. God is like a pain magnet. And that sounds probably kind of strange to hear at first, uh, but I don't want to skip over the fact that Jesus feels this in the first place. He's smothered, it says, by crowds. Just smothered, just, you know, kind of elbow to elbow. And of everyone there, hundreds of people, he feels this woman's pain when he is touched immediately. And he feels the power just emanating out of him into this woman. So I'm asked the question all the time, what's the good news here? How could a good God allow me, I'm a good person to be dying? Why hasn't God healed me? So they might even read this story and be sort of ticked off. Because this woman was healed, and they know they're not going to be healed. And I don't give them a, a cliche answer. I mean, it's just, you know, it just, it just adds to the pain. But I do say... You're right. God may not heal you, but the good news, from my perspective, is that God suffers with you. God is a magnet to our pain. C.S. Lewis said this one time, and I really like it. We can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone. picketed signs and red and black letters and they had these bullhorns. They're very angry. Hey, do you happen to know these people? And their message is uh, that God does not feel your pain, but he's ready to inflict pain. If you don't follow these rules, God's going to boot you out of the system. Yeah, it scared me to death. They were literally trying to scare the hell out of people. It bothered me couldn't articulate it then. But then I'll read Matthew 25 where Jesus in his own way has a megaphone. And it's not like those picketers. His megaphone says I am already feeling your pain. I'm with you and you're suffering here and now. Because what happens on earth matters. And he gives a challenge and he says but do you truly feel people's pain? When they're hungry do you feed them? When they're naked, do you clothe them? When they're in prison, do you visit them? Because what you do to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you also do to me. Because I'm already with them in their pain. I love this cross. I don't know. I grew up in a very conservative, evangelical church. I gave a, a very large cue. I mean, this cross. I'm just kidding. It's hard being the tech guy in a church. Um, and, uh, and, and the very conservative uh, tradition that I was in, I often heard this phrase, and it, and it was sort of 
debilitating for a person of faith is said Jesus had the sins of the world on his shoulders. And because God is too perfect to be around sin, God turned his face from Jesus. I don't know if you've ever heard that or heard something similar. There's even hymns and even contemporary Christian songs where people sing this. Because of the wrath of God, he had to turn his face. He couldn't look at the sin. My opinion is that this is more of what it's like. Jesus is suffering on the cross, and God is not absent. God is there holding him right behind him. Jesus is looking up at his Father, and he's saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And God is trying to say, I'm right here in your pain. And by the way, if Jesus can say that phrase, we can. It's not being unfaithful. As a matter of fact, it's being honest. For anybody that's had chronic pain, severe persistence, has been on their deathbed, they feel that question. I see it every day. That's a good question. God doesn't answer it, even to Jesus. He just holds it. And above is the Spirit, like a dove in this pain. Strengthening the Father and the Son in the suffering. The Trinity was there at Jesus' baptism, this beautiful moment, but we see the Trinity in full force at the cross as well in the pain. But I would be amiss if I didn't mention another aspect of this story. Jesus restores us. To community. Why does Jesus bring this woman out? Why does he expose that she's the one who touched him? I don't think he's being selfish or trying to embarrass her. I think he's trying to restore her to her community. She's been unclean. She's been isolated. People haven't wanted to be around this woman. And God knows the label she's had. We mentioned some of them. Unclean, that woman. You know, the bleeding one. I, I don't sorts of horrible things. Jesus brings her out. You can imagine she's, she is embarrassed and she comes to Jesus' feet. She lays prostrate. She, she just says, oh, Jesus, this, everybody, this is my story. This is why I did this. And she tells them her story. In front of everyone, she tells her story. And I imagine her with her head back laying down, not wanting to look at anyone like she has for the past 12 years. And the scripture doesn't say this, but I like to use my imagination. I just see Jesus reaching out and maybe touching her face. Not in like a weird way, but in an affectionate way. Because she hasn't been touched in 12 years. And imagine him lifting up her face and giving her a new label that she probably hasn't had since she was and he says the powerful word, maybe the most powerful word of the entire passage, daughter, daughter, you are not these other labels. This is who you are. This is who you are to me. I'm here with you in this pain because I see you as Good news with everyone around, don't you know?
they saw this, this moment of power. And finally, she was able to be accepted by her community because we need that in pain, right? It's heartbreaking as a chaplain when I come into a home or a hospital room or a skilled nursing facility and they're there all by themselves. No one should have to die alone. So this week, can you validate someone? I think if we just open our eyes, we can usually see pain. It's not hiding. Pain is all around. We're all suffering to some degree, some worse than others. And we have the opportunity not to say, oh, everything's going to be all right. It's all going to get better. But to say, I am so sorry. Hold their hand. Give them an affectionate touch and say, man, I'm here with you. That's all I know. I'll suffer with you. It's kind of what companion means. Having compassion with and could you validate them and say, God hasn't left you either. And then, and only then, may this phrase at the end make sense. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace.